The curse continued, and soon everybody became famished. They were weak, they were angry, and they started to revolt. Suddenly, Captain Halfbeard heard angry pirates outside of his quarters. They were shouting at him, saying that he needed to do something, or they were going to take matters into their own hands. Captain Halfbeard didn't know what to do. He knew his game was up. He knew he had no other option than to negotiate with the merpeople, and so he marched into Sophia's room. Okay, I will talk with them, for we cannot go on like this, he said. He led Sophia and Mr. Nobody down to the water, and much like before, everybody crowded around and she dived into the water. Not long had she waited in the dark water when she saw the white-haired mermaid approach. So you've come to speak, she said. Has Captain Halfbeard learnt his lesson yet? I think so, said Sophia. He says he wants to talk. Well, said the mermaid, the fact that he wants to talk is already huge progress. Tell him I am willing to listen. So Sophia burst up through the water. The merpeople said, she said to Captain Halfbeard, they're willing to listen. I will return the ships, if I have to, if that's what I have to do, said Captain Halfbeard. But ask them, do they not have any mercy? None of us can return to the mainland. None of us have a home anymore. Without Ship City, we are lost souls, floating in an endless ocean of despair. Sophia jumped down. He's asking for some mercy. He's asking that you think of the poor pirates here, that they cannot go back to the mainland, that they don't have a ship of their own anymore. I do have mercy and even forgiveness in my heart, said the mermaid. Tell them, for every ship they return, my people and I will return them a ship from the deep. Sophia didn't quite know what this meant, but she burst up to the surface and relayed the information. The Mer people have said that they do have mercy and forgiveness and that for every ship you return, they will return one from the deep. Nobody quite understood this. Sophia jumped down into the water to ask her what it meant. But when she plunged into the dark ocean, the mermaid was gone. She waited and waited, but she didn't return. So Sophia swam up and climbed out onto the pontoon. Well, she's gone, she said to Captain Halfbeard and the people of Ship City. Maybe you need to try and return just one ship and see what happens. Okay, said Captain Halfbeard. We've got to do something because we cannot go without food anymore. We cannot be stuck like prisoners in Ship City. Ship City is our freedom, not our prison. And so they chose a ship. It was called Stargaze. And they sailed it off and they brought it back to the beach to where it came. Captain Devon had long gone and joined Captain Seamus's crew, but he'd left behind some of his pirates, for they didn't all fit on Captain Seamus's boat. Those pirates had become used to island life, but they missed the sea. That morning, when they went down to wash their faces in the fresh morning water, they could not believe their eyes when they saw Stargaze anchored there on the beach. They swam out to her and they climbed on, and once again they felt free. Back at Ship City, it wasn't long before there was a bubbling under the ocean, a big, big bubbling at the edge of Ship City, 
It was so momentous that all the ships began to ripple and wobble. The people of Ship City were scared and they ran to have a look. And there, slowly, out of the water rose a big ship. It was covered in seaweed and it was broken in many spots, but it floated to the top. What is this? said Captain Halfbeard. It looks like a shipwreck, but it's floating. I think, said Sophia, who was still being guarded by two guards, that this is what she meant. With every ship you return, you'll get a shipwreck, maybe, from the bottom of the ocean. But it's broken and dirty, said Captain Halfbeard. Yes, said Sophia, but it's rightfully yours. When this ship rose from the deep, the albatrosses that had been making Ship City their home suddenly took to their wings and flew into the air and were gone. The kelp seaweed that menacingly lurked around Ship City subsided. The ring of sharks that had been circling swam away and the fish began to return to the waters. This is the way to get rid of the curse, said Sophia. It might be hard work, but these ships... Once they're fixed, they'll be amazing, just like the ship city you had before. In fact, I know a pirate crew, possibly even two or three pirate crews that would come here and help you repair and decorate the boats. If only they could have their own boats back. Captain Halfbeard thought for a moment. He knew he was getting a hard bargain, but he looked at all of the people of Ship City, skinny and exhausted and desperate. OK, he said, OK, return the boats to where they came. And one by one, the ships were sailed off and returned to the place of which they were stolen. And one by one, the people rose shipwrecks from the ocean. After gaining Captain Halfbeard's trust, he let Sophia and Mr Nobody go. And they swam out to the galley girl's boat and told them the whole story. The galley girls came and they spread the word amongst the pirate community. Then all the stranded crews from the islands returned with their boats. They helped mend and repair the shipwrecks that were given to them by the Mer people. They helped restore Ship City one ship at a time. Soon, Ship City was just as grand as it had ever been. But they had to build a harbour five times the size as the one they'd had before. For now, so many of the ships that they had stolen had come back to help them. The Mer people and the pirates made amends. Mr Nobody was released and given his shell back by his people. And the pirate community had never been stronger. When the last lick of paint had been dried by the watching sun, there was a celebration like no other. There was singing and dancing and music and food. The whole of Ship City wobbled under excited and happy feet. The Mer people came and joined the celebrations there in the city square. They brought offerings from their world, and the people of Ship City exchanged offerings from the world above. It is said that the noise was so happy and so cheerful that those who were sitting on the mainland could hear it in the wind. When the celebrations had calmed down and Ship City was finally silent, there was a singing a mournful singing that could be heard from one of the decks. Somewhere out there There's someone just for me Somewhere out there on distant shore 
She came off the ship and onto the jetty, and he put a shell around her neck. Swim with me, he said. He took Nancy down to the Mer village, where he came from. He told her his story, how he was one of the captured Mer people, but he had managed to escape using a shark tooth that he had on his bracelet. He had hidden in Ship City, and much like the children had, he'd figured out the pieces of the puzzle. He had the key, and he almost freed his people, but he was caught. He was made to walk the plank, but he had made friends in Ship City, and there was people there that tried to help him. They threw a few barrels overboard, in the hopes that he would have something to float on. They stuffed some treasure into the barrels, so that he would have a way to pay his way should he reach land. He remembered falling from the plank into the dark water, and he remembered swimming and swimming and swimming. He remembered finding the barrels and lying on them as he fell asleep that night. After that, he remembered nothing, just that he woke up, washed up on the shore. What's your name? asked Nancy. What's your name? My name is Finn, he said. And although I must return to the world of the deep, and I am so happy to be able to be with my people again. Take this shell that you have around your neck, and whenever you want to come and visit, you're welcome. But how can you talk? said Nancy. Why couldn't you speak before? Well, said Finn, the thing is, without our shells, we cannot talk. It's always been that way. Because sometimes, merfolk decide that they want to be part of the land above and not the land below. And if they do this... They must forfeit their voice so that they don't lead other folk back to our kingdom. None of us can talk without our shells, he said. After a magical evening swimming through the ocean with her friend Finn, Nancy felt a happiness inside her that she hadn't felt for a very, very long time. She returned to the ship, contented that night. In the morning, they all knew it was time. It was time to say goodbye to Ship City and head on their way. So Erin and Bronwyn called everyone, and they all boarded the galley girl's ship. Right, said Erin, are we all here? And she counted everyone, one at a time. Hang on a minute, she said. We're missing one, or one and a half. Where's Pep? They looked out across Ship City, and they could see there in the square. She was dancing, chanting, and all the pirates were joining in. Drink up your rum rum, drink up your rum rum, drink up your rum and smile. Drink up your rum rum, drink up your rum rum, drink up your rum and smile. Pip! shouted Erin when there was a pause in the celebration. We're going! Come on! Oh, said Pip, and she stomped her way over to the boat. I was having so much fun. Can we come back again, she said. I really like it. Rascal was on her shoulder, running from one shoulder to the next, and picking things out of her hair and eating it. I love it here. It makes me feel so piratey. 
Well, said Aaron, of course we can return. We can return here regularly. But first, I've got some redeeming of my own to do, she said. No one quite understood, and she gave the command and asked everybody to rig the sails. There was a flurry of activity. All the children knew what to do now. It was so nice to all be on board together, each and every one of them, all part of the team. Where are we going? said Pip to Erin. Well, said Erin, when I was young, I did something wrong. I didn't realise it was wrong back then. In fact, I thought I was doing the right thing. But now, now it's time for me to set it right. If there's anything I've learnt from Ship City, it's that a true second chance is all about doing the right thing. Well, what did you do? said Pip. Well, said Erin, once upon a time, in my younger days, I thought myself a bit of a Lady Robin Hood. I was always trying to do good. I couldn't stand watching poor people suffering. And the rich, just walking around with all of their riches, not giving a care for those who really needed help. And one day, I was on the land. I only stopped for a few days, and I walked past a little house. There was a family there. They were struggling. They had lots of kids. And there was another one, a new baby, being born. I heard the parents arguing and fretting and worrying about what they'd do to feed another mouth. They were sad and angry, and I thought I'd help them out. And so... I took the baby, the baby that was sat there outside. I thought if I took it, I could look after it and they'd have one less mouth to feed. I thought I was doing the right thing. Of course, Pip being Pip didn't understand why this might be a conundrum at all. She thought that Erin had done exactly the right thing to do. But some of the other children couldn't believe that Erin, their dear friend Erin, had done such a ghastly thing. By the late afternoon, they saw land approaching and the ship sailed into a lagoon at the foot of a mountain. There, at the water's edge, there was a little hut on stilts. Here, said Erin, this is where we're meant to be. All the girls looked confused at each other. Nancy, said Erin, I have loved you like my own daughter, but you are not mine to keep. I thought I was doing you and your parents a favour. But I've seen you. You've always had that missing place in your heart. This is where your family live. Go now and meet them. There on the beach, there was a mother hand-washing in the water. Her father came running out and looked at the huge ship approaching. There were lots of other children, some younger and some older than Nancy, and they all looked as the pirate ship came. Nancy didn't know what to do. Could this be true? She knew in her heart it was true. She dreamt of this place in her dreams and she knew it was there waiting for her. For a flash of a moment she was angry and her blood boiled. But then she looked at Erin. Erin was like a mother to her and all of these galley girls were like sisters. And Pip, dear old Pip, for all her grumbling, Nancy gave her the longest hug of all. And then she came off the boat and swam ashore. Nancy looked so much like her brothers and sisters that her parents knew her straight away. They embraced her and looked up at Erin. 
Erin was aware that the parents might be very angry, and so she set the sail to leave straight away. Thank you, said the mum, waving at the boat. Thank you. Erin was confused. Why would this person be thanking her after what she did? But the mother knew that Erin had looked after her well, at a time when they couldn't, and they were grateful to have her returned and know she was safe. Nancy waved as the galley girl's ship backed out of the bay and set for the open ocean. As they sailed in the open ocean, they shared their stories from their adventures. Everyone was captivated when they heard Sophia's story and how she was made to walk the plank, how she met the Mer people and then was captured at the end by Captain Halfbeard. Sneers couldn't take the suspense and kept sticking his fingers in his ears and going, la 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 la, I'm going to think of happy things, lovely, lovely, happy things. And Rowan's parrot, Musker, Every time he heard Captain Halfbeard being mentioned, he went into a sort of gobbledygook frenzy. Oh dear, oh no, who's a stinker? Don't do that. I'm trying to be scary. Oh no, oh no, here he comes. Oh dear, be quiet. Oh no, must have been me, must have been me. And when she was done telling her story, there was a pause. The funny thing is, she said to Erin, is still, after all of this, I don't know the name of your boat. Well, back to work, said Erin, breaking the silence abruptly. Come on, we're not going to get very far if we all sit round here nattering, are we? So everybody jumped to their feet and they pulled and tugged on the ropes and they swung the bow of the boat towards the land. As they sailed across the ocean and all the children were busy, Erin rubbed the side of her trusty old boat. She breathed in the salt air and spoke to her old boat like a dear friend. Right, Galliana, she said. It's time to take them all home. <laughs>